0: Welcome back to The Experience Makers, the podcast brought to you by Wonderman thompson Technology. I'm Gemma Milne, and once a month we'll be reimagining customer experience with guests from across the marketing technology industry. Today, consumers shop everywhere, at home, at their desks, on the move, and they shop across channels from marketplaces to social media to brand websites. However, despite the lockdowns over the past two years, customers still love to shop in-store. This represents a challenge for brands who are desperately trying to build a single view of their customers to better serve them with relevant communication and personalize their experiences. Whilst building a picture of how customers behave online is getting easier, transferring that knowledge to the shop floor has been virtually impossible. In this episode of the Experience Makers, we're joined by Guy Bonin, Executive Director at Retail Digital Transformation Platform Otto, alongside VP of Marketing Cloud at Wonderman Thompson's PM Web Grazie Bardalotto to discuss some of the challenges and considerations organizations are facing when it comes to shopping, both online and in-store. Guy Grazie, thank you so much for joining us here today to discuss all things seamless retail. Let's start by setting the scene a little bit. Tell us a bit about some of the trends and behaviors that we're currently seeing within the retail industry following, um, of course, the last two turbulent years that we've been living through. Guy, let's start with you.
1: Hi, Gemma. Uh, well, the two years that, that was through is com- completely outliers, right? But it's accelerated a lot of things. Uh, and one thing that we saw accelerating was the role of the, the, the store because the store was closed. So we, we could feel in our skin that how, what's the difference of not having the store, the real retailer as we know it in the centuries that we know it, how it was without having it. And while we figure out and the studies show that people miss that. People miss going to the store and, and having the, the contact to touch products. Even though if the, the, the everything accelerated as well with the digital space, but I think we need you to, to start to explaining a little bit what's the the f- physical place where you can buy and what is the the channels that you can communicate with the brand. Even though if you buy offline, you can still talk to them online. So I think the biggest thing that changed is the the new concept of the new store, which is a physical but online stores is insane, where the where where both worlds are combined. And that change came to stay, and when the brands need to adapt that, to understand that, and see all the challenges behind that new concept.
0: Amazing. Grazie, I'd love to bring you in here. Um, perhaps there's some insights from the, the Future Shopper Report um, that perhaps is able to bring out some of these, these trends or behaviors that we've been seeing.
2: Sure. Thanks, Gemma. It's very nice to, to be here with you and uh, sharing some of our thoughts. So uh, we've been working with uh, big retailers uh, in Brazil and North America and uh, Canada, US for many years. And what we've been seeing is that uh, people say that the the traditional retail would die right at some point. And uh, we've been seeing the trends every year. And what we've been seeing is that the mediocre retail is going to die. But uh, what the customers, they want to, to see now, it's more like about living like a, a very good experience and experiencing the brand in a store. So about the future shopper report that Wonderman Thompson does, uh, we find, found out that 64% of global shoppers prefer to shop with brands that have both online and offline presence even if the online has grown a lot in the last, uh, in the last two years.
1: Adding to that, if I can, Jim, the thing is, is interesting that, that that report also also showed that the younger generation wants to have physical presence. So it's not only that the seniors, like Raza said, the youngers want to have that interaction, that experience. And if you go to Forrester, the study that they did in the Q3 last year, they, they predict that 72% of the, all the U.S. retailer s- still occurs in the store by 2024. So if you do a rough math here, you're saying that one-third of the investment is done online, but there's two-thirds of the investment that's still very important to be done and needs to be seen as the offline channel as a big opportunity yet.
0: So a lot of the the themes that have come out of both of your answers is obviously the sort of merging or the the interest in both offline and online, um, but also the importance of experience. And I think that brings us really nicely to the the title of this episode, or the theme of this episode, which is around seamless retail. Guy, let's let's stick with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about what we mean by by seamless retail?
1: Seamless, seamless retailer basically is putting the client in the center. It's, it's something that we hear for a long time. But customer centricity means that the client comes before everything else. So the client needs to interact in the moment of truth with the brand in the offline space, in the online space, in the, all the communication channels that surround them. And uh, if you see the last two decades, we, can, we basically the e-commerce doesn't exist and now it's the e-commerce as we know it. Uh, but what has been done in the side of the store? And, and, and more, what has been done... With the, the person that is inside of the store that works for the brand, the sales rep, or the sales assistant, almost nothing. We haven't included that person that is the, the, the moment that could have the contact in the moment of truth with the client. We haven't included that in the digital transformation at all. And when you see that uh, retail techs uh, are trying to, to find ways to, to change retail, retail as, as a whole, They are not remembering that as a person. There are a lot of people inside of their stores that know the brand, know the products, and talk to clients every single day and don't know anything about those clients. And and why I'm bringing that up? Because if you're talking about customer centricity and people are being talked to inside of the store and we don't know who they are, we are not customer centric. And so the missing link here is that we need to have those those sales reps becoming concierges and understanding the, 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 the people that are inside of us, the clients that are inside of the store so they can connect to the rest of the brand strategy in terms of marketing and, uh, and customer experience. And when you think about seamless retailer, obviously we need to have like logistics, have, uh, we can one, uh, delivery, different, yes, all of that. But when we are talking about marketing, we need to put customer centricity in the core of the strategy. And one way to do that is to take off the bridge between online and offline and one of the ways to do that is to having people that already know the brand to talk to clients and in- include them in the whole ecosystem of the brand.
0: It sounds like a lot of what you're saying there, Guy, is around um, data here, information and data, and being able to deploy that information and data seamlessly and effectively to those that need it at the right time. So, Grazia, I'd love to, to bring you in here to hear a little bit more about perhaps you know, thinking about this seamless customer experience, this idea of um, giving the information to the people on the ground to be able to deliver these, um, you called it moments of truth, key, um, to, the, to the clients, to the customers. What sort of data challenges then arise in trying to actually execute that at the brand level?
2: So I think uh, just going back to what Guy was mentioning uh, about like how e-commerce is growing, the the conversion rate in e commerce are still like one point five two percent. So what do we do with the other ninety eight percent of people who are who is entering our e commerce, and to know what to do with them and how to 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 connect with these people, we should know who they are. So that's where data comes. So first of all, if you want to do like a really seamless experience, a great experience to your customer, you really need to know who they are. So PII, so being able to identify each customer is key to any CRM, any great uh, in-store or e-commerce experience. Guy, is there anything you want
0: to add there around data challenges? Because I know that this is this is kind of the hot topic and it's the crux of really what we're talking about here.
1: Exactly. That's That's the... The main thing, uh, when we we have the, the, the pandemic, brands was having a lot of difficulties because they couldn't, it was very expensive to buy new clients using ads because everybody was in, inside of the house. So obviously the prices went up. And what the brands figure out is that, okay, if I already know the client and I can already know how to engage with them, I'm in an, ad- an advantage and I have that data. So people, companies that are uh, uh, Pii driven, it's 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 a it's a no, new new level of marketing because in in uh, and I say Pii everybody okay was GDPR all, all all those problems around Pii, but that's just compliance. If you do, if you comply, that's not a problem. But if you if you create a strategy uh, surrounding Pii, it is customer centric. And what Grazi was talking about is that the only way that I can can do in the, do you understand the influence of some actions that we did online in the offline space is if we know who, who was target and who bought, because that's the way that we can do what we call a double match. I know the the match online and I do the match offline, but, and then I can connect both of them. So in order to, to, and that changes the whole game in terms of attribution model, because now if I send, for instance, an email marketing, which is the, well, almost like the, the the older media online that exists, and the person opens that email and go to the stores and buy it. It's impossible to say that that email that didn't influence going to the store and 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 and, do, and the person buying it. So when we start thinking about conversion windows, we start thinking about multi touches with the customer. Everything changes. The way that you approach that problem, that putting customers in, the, in the, the center and understanding that he will be touched in a lot of different medias that you don't even control it the right, in the right way, but this will affect the both worlds, the online and the offline world. And the only way that we can try to measure that is, is through PII. And when you say, and the important part here is that in the, when, when, how do you get the PII inside of the store? And that's, that's that's one of the main challenges because in the, the online spaces, we already know do, how to do that better. And and we're working with, uh, with Grazi and we have like clients have 72 per, 72% of all page views being identified on, the, on a large e-commerce. So we can do that online. 72% is a big number. How can we have that same number on the, on the offline space? And that's where the seamless retailer Comes to 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 discussion here. You need to have this this same level of PII ness as as you may in the offline spaces as in the online space.
0: So so let's dive into this a little bit. Then let's answer that question. How do you do it? You know, what does this look like in practice? And what sort of solutions are are you thinking about in terms of trying to satisfy this? You know, this demand that's clear from the report that people are wanting both. Physical and offline experiences, but are also expecting that connected experience. People to to brands to understand that as them, they're they're an individual, but also that they're already known to the company. Guy will stick with you.
1: Yeah, uh, there there are some more traditional ways, like having a loyalty program, having some benefits, like having like cashback, something like that. That you you give them, you give something back to the client in order for them for him to to give you his data. And that's totally fair and still works and still will, in, and will work for a long time. So, but that's not enough. Uh, when I'm I, 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 Earlier I said about empowering the sales rep and including him into the CRM ecosystem. One thing is that when, he, in, when you're talking about a salesperson, what he wants to do is to sell. If you went to, went to a store, you talk to a salesperson, and the salesperson they say, I don't have that product here. Okay, so I go online and I bought online. What the salesperson receives, nothing. However, if you say, okay, let me get your name, I will send you, I, I will send you the link of that product right now so you can buy it. And then the commission goes back to him, for instance. Or the commission, or not only that, or or the the the, the client was linked to him for future purchases. So the sales rep, we will understand he is a part of something bigger but not only bigger, something that is giving him back information and allowing him to sell more. And when you do that, the sales rep, as a human behavior, will try to have more, to, 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 to establish a connection, and then to, to make that grab of the PII data and for the client in order to, to, to include that data in the whole CRM of the brand. So if you give power to the right people and train them by giving him back something, not the client, but the the, the employee, the sales rep, this number will go even higher than using a loyalty program, for instance. So it's it's about empowering the human to do more.
0: Grass, I'd love to pull you in here as well to talk about how it is we actually do this. How do we create these experiences in store? But I'd love to hear more from the, the customer perspective, because it's really great to hear about it from the from the sales rep perspective. And as as you said, Guy, kind of empowering um, these people to be able to do their job in, in sort of supercharged ways. But tell us a little bit about how is that really um, satisfying the demand of the customer? You know, like, do, do I really want to go and buy a t-shirt and be linked up with the person who sold me and then get an email or whatever a month later and say, do you want some shorts? Arguably, me personally, probably not. So how do we ensure that from a customer perspective, um, we're getting that personalized experience, but we're also not being feeling like we're getting pulled into some sales funnel uh, sort of channel over time and getting hounded to, to buy things.
2: I believe that uh, this feeling about not wanting to receive like personalized experience, it's more because the some of the personalized experience that the brands are giving to the customers are not really personalized. We've been talking a lot about Zero-party data as well. I don't know if you if you all heard about that, but uh, we've been talking about first-party data for a long time, which is the data that we have from the customer. But we also have like zero-party data, that is the data that we ask the customer and he they really give us because they want. So I think using this zero-party data is uh, also key to give a better a customer experience and better personalization. Uh, Always. Uh, we always try to do like A/B testing as well to see if our uh, strategies, our uh, the use of data is really working or not, and getting a lot of feedback from our customers through NPS and uh, doing like some some research with the customers. So I think there is no no magic, of course. Uh, I think it's all 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 about uh, understanding the customers, measuring measuring the strategies and making sure that this is really leveraging the experience the customer has with the brand. So what we note, we've we been noticing with our uh, clients and with their uh, final customers is that uh, there is a big increase in the customer experience using all this data and creating this relationship. Uh, because when you give the, the data and the triggers to the salespeople, uh, of course, we always we also give them some templates they can talk to the customer, but it's more like a one-to-one uh, experience, one-to-one message, and uh, after that we start with a conversational commerce that we said. Uh, so uh, that is the difference between like just sending a one-way personalized message. That we can do as well, and it's important as well, and uh, giving like all this data and all this information uh, to the salespeople so they can start a really uh, conversational experience with their final customer.
0: I want to I want to dive into some of the kind of the reality of, of doing this from from perspective of you know platforms, technology, and and types of data that, that companies can can. Um, that have to gather and work with and how they work with it best in order to achieve this seamless retail you're talking about. But before we do that, Grazia, you mentioned something really interesting about gathering feedback and trying to understand what's working and and what's not. Um, And I'm curious about, you know, building a little bit on this idea of like, how do you actually, you know, do this from a technical perspective? Um, You know, let me give you an example. For instance, I was looking at a A frying pan. Recently, I am in the market for frying pans right now. I am really trying to buy a frying pan. I am the perfect person to try and sell a frying pan to because I' trying to work out what the best frying pan is. And I looked at one and I thought this looks like a pretty good frying pan. And I've been inundated with ads on Instagram on the internet. I'm now getting emails. I don't even know how they got my email. And this company's actually now annoyed me. And even though this is the the company that I think has the best frying pan, and no doubt eventually I will buy it, I'm sort of waiting on all of the acquisition to stop because it's frustrated me so much how do they get that feedback how do they know that that hasn't worked that 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 me as an individual customer that kind of sales is not going to work for me and god if i went into a physical store and someone started saying hey you saw that you like this frying pan that would annoy me even more and i definitely wouldn't buy them so how do you actually get that insight in order to make those decisions around personalization
2: i think first, first of all it's some of the companies that you mentioned probably they are not using uh they are not respecting your opt-in or opt-out uh which is basic for crm and for gdpr and everything so this is the main point when we start to to work with any brand we 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 are always trying to make sure they are compliant to to this law this uh, data protection laws so, this is uh, the first point. Uh, then, to get the feedback about uh, if it's working or not, it's based on mainly two things. Uh, the first one is engagement. So, are you really opening the emails? Are you clicking uh, uh, in the messages? Are you uh, engaging with the brand somehow, Instagram or uh, in, in any media? Engagement is key. And then, a conversion. Uh, so, after I send I, I'm sending all these messages is the is the customer and 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 up uh, buying or not? So uh, that's how you measure you, if your strategy is working or not let's
0: um let's move on to talking about the the role of technology and and specifically what um types of technologies or types of technology strategies um brands need to employ think about um purchase in order to be able to um you know do seamless retail how do they manage their data how do they collect the data how do they connect up how they deliver it Um, we'd love to hear a little bit about how all these dots are being joined and and exactly what kind of platforms are allowing us uh, to do that gracie let's start with you
2: yeah sure so with our clients we work with some uh, platforms we've been working a lot with marketing cloud platforms uh so we can do uh, we have like the cdps to connect all the data and to to make sure they are all integrated and uh, they are, like, just one data. Uh, We also use a lot of marketing automation platforms to do all, like, the orchestration uh, through email, SMS, push, web push, uh, WhatsApp nowadays, and even auto, because we can connect all these marketing cloud, uh, these marketing automation platforms to auto, so we can make sure we are sending, for example, an email, and then the next step, if the client opens or if the client clicks or the, if the client doesn't open or doesn't click, I can send it to the salesperson. So the salesperson can make a contact uh, as a one-to-one as an individual to understand if that communication makes sense for the customer. So uh, the, the main uh, thing is how we connect from the data perspective Uh, with all the data integration, ETLs, and sometimes we use or don't use CDPs, it depends, for some clients we do, for some clients we don't, Uh, then automating like the brand talking to the client and then automating the salesperson talk to the client. So it's uh, usually it's like a, a three-platformer integration that we can create all this seamless integration and to communicate in a better way with the final customer. And
0: Guy, I'd love to bring you in here to talk a little bit as well about technology. You know, of course, we've, we've got these various different types of platforms that Grazia has outlined um, and, and kind of making sure that you've got all that in place. But what does it mean to actually try and implement that within a brand, particularly if you've not already got some of these systems set up or maybe you've got some systems and not others and it's a little bit messy. I can imagine there's a lot of people management and people strategy there as well when you're trying to get these um, technologies to, to work seamlessly together. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the strategy of actually implementing um, how this is done.
1: In one word, tricky. And hard. <laughs> in two words, tricky and hard. Uh, but, uh, but I think it's worth, uh, even though it's tricky and hard, it's, it's, it's worth doing it because uh, there is no uh, magic formula in doing that. Every single company has a different way, uh, doing that, that different composition of platforms that they already own. Uh, and there's a lot of people trying to say that they had the holy grail and just put everything here, and everything just worked. That's actually not true, right? Obviously, there are the, those big techs that they want to have. They have, they buy a lot of platforms, and they want to create a very big ecosystem on that. That's great. That's, but n- normally, that doesn't mean they're integrate very intimately. They just connect with each other. So uh, what I believe and what uh, we're driving Otto to do is to have an open platform right? And when I'm talking about open platform saying that I'm not going to do any, everything, I'm going to do my bit and I'm going to do it very well. But in order to do my bit very well, I need to have very simple integration with other technology. So obviously, uh, I, I look to the market and I see, okay, I have most of my clients use it, uses ABC system, so let's create integration natively with those systems. And that's the way that we are moving forward. However, uh, the the role of the service partner, which in this case Grazi uh, uh, represent here, is that they need to understand this architecture for the client and create a, an environment where that data is processed and, and, and crunched in the right way. And, and and when I say the right way, is the, the customer centricity way. And, and that's not very common because a lot of the, the, the products, like the big ERPs, they are not customer centric. So sometimes we don't need to do like, giant uh, efforts, but we need to do the right efforts, and knowing what the right efforts are, are the tricky part, and we need to have uh, companies, agencies, those, uh, consulting firms, I don't know, having the, the mentality that the PII data is the, the main key of the database to, in order to do that, and obviously there are the CDPs, like Razzy mentioned, they are trying to do that, but connect every single touch point very, very quick, a very almost near real time in terms of having the, the, the stock in the, 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 the physical store compared to the stock the, on the online store, everything having like milliseconds working, it's hard. But you don't need to start in the, the, the most hard way. You can start by doing parts of that, and you we, we, we will start already to see benefits. So I always say, Rome wasn't built in a day. Data integration is not built in a day. It's, it's a project that will go on probably for the rest of the life of the the, 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 the company. And things in, in every single day will new platforms, new channels will, will appear. But if the brand has this right mentality of putting, putting the PII in the center of the, their strategy, in the data strategy, I think they will prevail.
2: Yeah. And just to compliment... Uh... Usually, when it, we think about uh, like data projects, we think about like a very like big and uh, expensive kind of project. And uh, with Auto, for example. Uh, some customers, like I, I'm, I'm talking in a, the partner perspective, which is uh, great. But but for some customers, they do it by their themselves. So they can uh, actually connect their data because they have like a, a specific architecture, and they can do it by themselves. So we, of course, we help more like big, big, big retailers uh, as a partner. But there are small retailers that they do by themselves, and it works very, very well. So I think. Uh, uh, it's like, it's more about like starting and doing something than just waiting to be like perfect to start. What about um, in terms
0: of the people? So earlier on, Guy, you were giving us the example of the salespeople on the floor in the shop, uh, you know, having access to various different kinds of information um, and then adapting how they sell and, and whatnot. Um you mentioned, you know, they would have to be trained in order to, to do this, right? I mean, I think having a sort of data centric approach to how you do your work, whether you're a salesperson, you work in marketing, whether you're the designer, um, making the banner ads, you know, utilizing the insights that you're being given through this data is obviously going to change how you do it. But how do you get people who aren't necessarily already doing that to suddenly be, actually utilize all these insights that you've managed to gather?
1: That's a tricky part as well. But the, the one of buzzword that uh, uh, Forrester is talking about the last two years is employee experience. We talk about a lot of customer experience, but now we're talking about employee experience, not only for, for retaining the employees because the market, especially in IT and marketing are very, uh, people like to change a lot of jobs, but how do you provide the best experience for the employee to be more self service with the experience? Like again, when you download Instagram for the first time, you don't have like a training video say how to use Instagram. The, the app itself made it simple enough for you to use it. Uh, and when a new feature comes, a new feature comes, there's a story on Instagram saying how to use it. So uh, when we're talking about people, employees, they are not trained as marketers or they are not IT people uh, normally because their, their job is to talk to other people on the, the, the floor of the, the, the store you need to provide them with tools that are very simple to use. Uh, not only that, you need to provide a, a lot of gamification as well, so that the, the like, small milestones are be- being achieved. In, in my perspective, you need to also include a little bit of a competition. Because if you, if you see your colleague doing better than you because he's using better the technology that the company provides him, you probably want to do that too, and then this 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 whole thing, this social phenomenon, starts to happen as as in the personal life when you start, everybody start using WhatsApp. Your 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 family will start using WhatsApp because they want to communicate with you using that. So that's that's something that this is the new phenomenon. The brands are now giving employees platforms. They're giving feedback using that platform, and obviously because they have data in order to to identify wh- where the, the the pain points are not in those technologies
0: let's um move on to our sort of final i guess piece of of this discussion and, and it's really around practical advice um you know if people who are listening to this conversation have gone okay i'm convinced i want to make sure i'm doing this for for my brand for my retail brand or or any other brands really this thinking about how to sell um what should they do, right? How do they get to this point or at least get on the journey towards seamless retail? Because as you've mentioned, it's it's not really a sort of destination. It is more about how you think about it. Um, Let's talk about maybe sensible first steps. Gracie, let's start with you.
2: I would say the first step is collecting data because as we said before, PII is key for any CRM strategy. So collecting the data and then, of course, organizing that and having the right tools to use that uh, is essential. So um, yeah, I, I would go just w- with one advice, which would be collect data and then uh, organize and use it. Gee, let's go to you for your practical advice.
1: Well, you can send me an email and sign a contract with me that now, that's a first, no, I'm just, just kidding. Going to <laughs> Graz's point is that uh, I, I always have that example. Google Analytics is a incredible tool everybody uses it it's, it's incredible but they don't tell you who did what they tell you how many people did what and when you change the mentality of understanding trying to understand who did what that's the, the 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 main the first milestone that you can provide you can start putting your customer in the, in the, in the center and the next step is okay i always joke that uh, we have to have a follow the money strategy meaning I don't, I, if I just do a very big data center with a lot of data and try to analyze all of that, that doesn't that give me costs, of, of, not money, right? I, it costs me more. But if I, if I use that data in order to try to sell more and I see image results by doing that, this will drive the company and all the stakeholders to see, okay, I need to invest more on those, this customer-centric bullshit that that, that that guy is talking about in time of the company. And, and, you, and, you say, and you, when you get that, you will have the sponsorship that you want because you're generating new revenue and more of that, you're generating attributed revenue and you know who did what. And so by those small things, you do the first steps is collecting the PII data and then activating that data in the very simple channels, very simple way, you already see results. And when you do that, you start doing just a PDCA, all everything, fine tuning, fine tuning, go expanding, more channels, more complexity, then you go get there, not in the destination, but you go get to the, the right path.
0: Final question uh, for you both to to round off our discussion, and uh, uh, it's a little bit more future uh, facing, perhaps, than what we've been talking about. Um, you know, which is really about what we can do now, I guess. But thinking to the future, what do you think retail um, could look like? You know, what's the sort of? I mean, you mentioned earlier you're an optimist. You know, what is your your vision for the future of retail? Key, we'll start with you.
1: I, I think uh, I think you can see by the region, is obviously there are different players and all that, but what I, what I understand uh, and I believe that it will, will happen in the next few years is that the browser commerce will decline a little bit and the conversational piece will increase. Uh, so and when, when I say conversational, I'm not just saying like uh, SMS. I'm saying, okay, this live commerce you interact and conversate that you do the social commerce you also do that so uh, the 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 purchase will not be in the browser itself but will be in the in the other apps like whatsapp like live commerce like in social media this will this will increase in the the following years and that's a, a challenge because that's there are new channels again uh, we're not saying, okay, you're going to buy in the e-commerce, you're not going to buy in the physical store, but we will buy in digital channels that are linked to both. And because they're customer-centric, you need to understand everything. So that's, I think, will be one of the main trends, is conversion and social commerce.
0: Future vision.
2: Uh, there is a lot, actually. Uh, but uh, I will uh, use some of the, the the things that I heard in the last NRF. So, I think experience is very important and experience can uh, can be held in physical stores, in e-commerce, in the metaverse, so I think we really have to look to that, uh, this is one thing. The other thing is about localized strategies, so the brand really has to look to each different place, the consumer is different in each region of the planet it's less about who sells and more about who buys so which makes sense because it's we really have to put the consumer in the centric so we we can really provide them the best experience
0: Incredible. Gratzi, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show and taking us through um so many different ideas around this um seamless retail. Everything from thinking about how you should do it in a, a responsible and ethical way, in a way that makes sense for consumers, all the way through to talking about the technologies that can actually make it happen and of course finishing off there with some practical advice and future visions. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your expertise with our audience. You've been listening to The Experience Makers, a Wonderman Thompson technology podcast. You can follow us at One Thompson Tech on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit us at WondermanThompson.com. Make sure you tune in to next month's episode of The Experience Makers, where we'll continue the experience conversation, helping businesses thrive in today's experience economy.